Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us on this Advent Sunday. Today's theme is joy, as you have heard. So we've sung and meditated on Scripture. We're going to continue. And to start with, I want to read to you from a theologian that spoke these words over 1,500 years ago. He said, God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. That's St. Augustine, written in 500 AD or so. So the question this morning could be, what are your hands full of? And is there space for the things that God wants to give you? Advent is a season of preparation. Isaiah 43 through 4 says, Prepare a road for the Lord through the wilderness. Clear a highway across the desert for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain hill brought down. The rugged places shall be made smooth and the mountain ranges made plain. And so we ask this morning, have we prepared the way? Have we done enough to get the clutter out of our lives so that we can actually receive what God would want to give again this Christmas season? One of the ways we can think about preparing if we're still getting into this Advent season is to read a biblical text and see the ways in which God has already come And pray that God would open our eyes to see the signs and the patterns that come to us through Scripture as a guide to say, this is going to happen again in your midst. Will you be ready? Will you be able to see it when it does? And so let's explore a biblical text this morning and point some things out as we pray the ancient prayer of the church. Maranatha, Lord, come. It's going to be in in the Gospel of Luke, starting at chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Before I read it, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would come. Come to speak. Come to move. Come to comfort. Come to convict come to change our perception, come to give us the gifts of hope, love, joy, and peace, and most importantly, your Son. We pray all these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Luke Chapter 1, starting at verse 26, says this. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. 
Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Let us notice a few ways in which the Lord came to Mary. Well, the Lord came through the messenger angel Gabriel. And one of the things we can easily notice in this story is that God came to Mary unexpectedly. What is surprising to Mary is that God has been paying attention to her. And through her in the scandal of particularity that God would pick just this little 14-year-old girl from a nowhere town in Nazareth. And we, like her, perhaps imagine that we are just too ordinary, lacking credentials or the perfect history that one might need in order to learn that God is actually paying attention to us. But if there was ever an answer to the question, God, are you paying attention? It is coming loud and clear through this story. And that's very important for us right now because I bet my hunch is that you have asked the question in this season, Lord, are you paying attention? Do you see what's going on? Things are not going well down here on earth. And so are you noticing? God, are you seeing what is happening? This is a natural question for all of us who are made in the image of God and have this sense that things should be put right in the world. But often we invert this intrinsic sense of justice and re reorient it towards the heavens. And that's okay because God can take it. God can handle our questions and our uh, wondering if he is paying attention, but we also need to give God our pursuit and a fair pursuit of whether or not he has presented us with an answer to that question, are you paying attention? 
And so as we examine, and perhaps in our hearts even, we have that Isaiah 64, Lord, would you rend the heavens and come down because our blood boils at injustices and our heart breaks as people are sick and dying. But yet, to this 14-year-old girl, in her heart's question, do you pay attention to ordinary people like me? There was an undeniable, emphatic yes to that question. And so Mary must have been so surprised on that Christmas, uh, on that uh, precursor to the first Christmas. The story gives us a hint of a heavenly conspiracy, a meeting that must have taken place between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit about how they were going to communicate to the world that they indeed are paying attention. It was sparked off by the John 3.16 heart that we hear. For God so loved the world, but God in his holy otherness needed to find a way to come and communicate to human beings this love, that he loved the whole world. And so he chose Mary. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working out the details of this great presentation, and then they bring it to this 14-year-old girl, and they ask her, do you want in? We're going to open up the Father, Son, and Holy uh, Spirit circle, and we're going to widen it so that you can be a part of it, Mary. What do you think? And she says, all right, I'm in. It would be important to note here that attention is love. I've been in many places where people have a lot of stuff, and I've spent a lot of time with the children of people who have a lot of stuff. And just because they have that stuff doesn't mean that they have the attention of their parents who frequently have to work really hard to get all that stuff and so what they don't have is time to pay attention to them. And so more than all the stuff, I see a longing in so many for attention. Because attention is a commodity that is rare these days as we look to distract ourselves with so many numbing influences and entertainment. But attention cuts through and says, if you pay attention to me, if you give me your time and truly listen and hear my heart that you actually love me. My little girl teaches me this every morning as she puts on a dress and invites me to watch her do her ballerina moves. And I'm very aware as a father in that moment the power of my attention. 
as she extends her little two-year-old hand and says, Daddy, would you come play with me? Would you come dance ballerina moves with me? Now, my response to that is going to teach her so much about love. And if she has the attention of her father. Now, if I can, in my tired, grumpy, coffee-less mornings, conjure enough attention to communicate love to my daughter, then I can only imagine what a perfectly heaven, what a perfect heavenly father is giving by way of attention to each and every one of us. And so as we sit this morning wondering, God, are you paying attention? My prayer is that we would be given a heavenly perspective of this meeting, this conspiracy that says, no, my attention is on earth. My love is for the people of earth. My love is for each individual listening this morning. And we can let that break through what normally shapes how we think about if God's paying attention to us, which is something like, well, I'm definitely not as cute as a two-year-old dancing ballerina moves. In fact, I made some mistakes along the way. I'm currently making mistakes Um, Things are messy. I carry a lot of baggage with me. Things are not as they should be with the people I'm supposed to care and love. And yet, God's attention is there as well. And if we don't know God, if we feel lost, we feel far away, the witness of Scripture is that He leaves the 99 to go towards the one lost sheep. And so his attention on those who are lost is even more vivid. His suffering, his his heartbreak is for those who are lost. And also for those of us who know Jesus but still struggle to receive the promises of God that have been given because of his death on the cross and the forgiveness of sins. And we still beat ourselves up over the ways in which we fall short and fall into sin. And we have a really hard time imagining that God wants to pay attention to us. He wants to look at us. And when he does look at us because of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what we've received through receiving Jesus into our heart and into our lives and walking the way of Jesus, is that God, when he looks down on us, sees our true selves and delights in us. He delights in paying attention to us and whatever tension we feel is more around our ability to accept that truth and not his ability to give it. You see, his attention is already on you this morning. God is paying attention to you. He cares about you, just like he cared for that one 14-year-old girl in the middle of nowhere. So much so that he came to her and pitched her, a 14-year-old girl, 
the plan that would ultimately save each and every person on earth. This plan to reveal the heart of the Father. This plan to bring the Messiah, the saving one, into the world. This 14-year-old girl is given the pitch of a lifetime. Would you be willing to be the mother of the Savior of the world? No pressure, Mary. No, you know, being a mother, hard enough. But being the mother of the Savior of the entire world, no pressure. And so there must have been a cocktail of emotions for Mary. She must have felt so deeply overwhelmed by the task that God was calling her to and obviously confused about logistics and everything else and yet ultimately being overwhelmed and and feeling fear of seeing the supernatural must have also been at the bedrock this sense that, wow, I cannot believe that I would be given such purpose and meaning and entrusted with such a great journey and task and what a privilege that God would choose little old me, Mary, to do this incredible work in the history of humankind. And even though there's a great cost, there's this sense of joy. Like, wow. Now I know why I was made. And God's coming to me. And what's hanging in the balance as Mary decides whether she will take uh, Gabriel up on this invitation to be the mother of Jesus is really our salvation. Is really the saving force of all of creation. And so she does something for each and every one of us that is an act of pure grace. When in her astonishment and in the surprising realization that God comes to her and submits to her that she says, I am your servant. May your promises be fulfilled. And so Mary submits to the Holy Spirit and to the angel Gabriel and to the Father and the Son. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit submit to Mary and in their mutual submission, it creates the environment for the Savior of the world to come in. This act of great love, each person's plans surrendering to the other in mutual affection and attention. The author Nadia Boltz Weber writes this about Mary. She says, There is a reason Mary is everywhere. I've seen her image all over the world in cafes in Istanbul, on students' backpacks in Scotland, in a market stall in Jakarta, but I didn't think her image is, I don't think her image is everywhere because she is a reminder to be obedient, and I don't think it has to do with social revolution. 
images of Mary remind us of God's favor. Mary is what it looks like to believe that we are already who God says that we are. Mary is a model to us of what happens when we believe what God says is true about each and every one of us. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. What a dangerous prayer. I dare you, I dare you to go to your closet, to your prayer room, to find a place where you are alone with God and to repeat this prayer and just simply see what happens. Quit trying to make something happen and just go to God and say, God, I am your servant. May your words that you've already spoken through Scripture and in my life be fulfilled through me. I surrender my plans. What Come what may, Lord, I come to receive what you would have as a gift this season of Christmas. And I bet, I bet that when God comes to you, that it will surprise you. And no matter how many times you can bear witness to the scripture, you will still be tempted in your false self to be lulled into thinking, God can't pay attention to me. He would never have a plan for me. I'm just not good enough. I have too much baggage. But I bet God will pierce through all of those lies and give you what he has always wanted to give you, which is his attention. If you pray, if you ask, and you seek with persistence, then you will be surprised that he will answer and you will discover his delight. And if you do get swept up in this heavenly conspiracy to share God's love with anyone, then God will probably want to birth something new in you, something fresh, something he's never done before that only you can do and he'll bring that plan in submission to you and he'll say I have this plan you see it looks like right where you live it looks like right with the people you live with and your friends and your family and your neighbors and your co-workers I have a plan for them I want to show them how much I love them and I want to use you in order to do it would you be willing Would you be willing to have the Holy Spirit overshadow you and come upon you and birth something new and beautiful in you? And if you do, then you will ultimately know joy. See, because when you surrender, the product of surrender is joy. Not an easy joy. Not always even a fun joy joy, but a joy that comes through sacrifice on behalf of what is most important in this life. And the joy that comes from seeing God's plan and not yours. Let me read to you this poem by a poet named Hafayetz from a book called I Heard God Laughing 
Poems of Hope and Joy, it says this. What is the difference between your experience of existence and that of a saint? The saint knows that the spiritual path is a sublime chess game with God. And that the beloved has just made such a fantastic move. That the saint is now continually tripping over joy and bursting out in laughter and saying, I surrender. Whereas, my dear, I am afraid you still think you have a thousand serious moves. May you experience the joy of surrendering to God's surprise plan for your life that has been conspired over in heaven, not for you, but for the sake of others. And as you find yourself lost in this big plan of God, may you know your true purpose in life. And may you see your hands empty only to be filled up with the gifts that God wants to give. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. May your word go out into every heart. May the story of Mary inspire and remind us of the ways in which you want to come to bring something new, to bring something beautiful, to bring your witness and testimony to bring your son Jesus into the world as good news for all who would hear. Lord, use us. Use us like you used Mary. We pray, do it again. We are your servant. May your word to us be fulfilled again this season. Amen.